I don't trust stairs. They're always up to something. You know, this past week we had Zoomerang, and uh, it went great. They had ice cream the last night, which is not too unusual at church things. In fact, I got to thinking just about everything I know about ice cream I learned at Sunday school. Did you hear this past week? Briars had to recall a million cartons of their ice cream. They had received a, a tanker shipment from a dairy farm where the cows were pampered too much. Turns out the milk was spoiled. <clears throat> we had over 60 unique kids come to ISS to Ignite Summer Series. Some of them were more unique than others. A couple of those kids were vegan. You know, that's people who don't eat meat. And I wondered to myself if vegans two vegans get in a fight, is it still called having a beef? The theme for the week, as you saw, was Zoomerang. It's about Australia, and so we were learning about a lot of the neat things, the, the animal life in Australia, wombats, kangaroos, Hugh Jackman, um, duck-billed platypus. What an unusual animal duck-billed platypus is. Heard a story about a duck-billed platypus that went into a Walgreens. He was trying to buy a tube of chapstick, and the lady at the cash register just looked at him funny and said, how are you going to pay for that? Besides, what are you going to do with it? And he said, just put it on my bill. Boy, those kids were tired by Friday night. You could see it in their faces, and their parents kept saying, you're keeping them here till 9 o'clock. They go home. They don't take naps. They were starting to get in trouble for resisting arrest. They're called dad jokes, everyone, all right? Just hang in there. You'll be okay. It's kind of like me and the irrational fear I used to have of speed bumps. You'll get over it slowly. Be patient. I wondered why the ball kept getting bigger and bigger, and then it hit me. And I, you're thinking, you should have tried these out on your wife first. She's thinking that too. But I got to tell you, I try them out on my dog at home, and you're going, well, you know, what good does that do? He's actually very smart. I, I asked him, what's two minus two? He said nothing. <clears throat> I was going to tell some time traveling jokes this morning, but turns out you didn't like them. I don't know how you're all doing with the increasing cost of things. Um, I go and go to air up my tires, that used to be free, didn't it? Go to the gas station, put air in your tires, it's free. Now it's like two bucks. You know why? Inflation. You go to buy a pillow filled with uh, down, good luck. Good luck trying to find one, and when you do, it's going to be expensive because with prices like they are, even down is up. All right. Enough of that. <laughs> today is Father's Day. We need to honor your fathers today. They need a hand with a lot of things, don't they? And we need for fathers to do well. I have received some gifts from my kids over the years 
a hat that says Dad Rocks from Andy, a mug from my daughter that says Number One Dad or something like that. So I'm really glad that they at least inherited my sense of humor. And I think most honest dads probably feel that way. You know, it didn't take very long for me to realize when I entered into this parenthood thing that I was in over my head. I can still remember when we first brought home that first kid from the hospital. It was the third day after she was born, and being a good dad, I had the big video camera, and I videotaped the uh, wheelchair parade down the hospital hallway and out into the car, and then we went home, and, and I videotaped us going up to the front door, and we got her inside, we, we laid her in the bassinet that we had all prepared for her, and Carrie and I sat down in the couch, and we looked at each other, and without saying a word, we simultaneously thought exactly the same thought. Okay, now what? And so it began. Every year around this time, I try to dig up some fresh statistics about the effect on society of absent fathers. When you're putting a sermon together, by the way, that's called supporting materials. So I dug up some statistics again. They can be misused, of course. Thanks to Lang. Uh, this week, he wore a T-shirt. It, one, it said one of these things, one out of seven dwarfs. Statistically, one out of seven dwarfs are grumpy. <laughs> and I thought about that. You know, statistically, six out of seven dwarfs aren't happy. <laughs> Got to watch statistics. 38% of statistics are just made up. Well, when it comes to the impact that dads are uh, having by not being actively involved in the raising of their own children, you can't get away from the obvious of that. Here's some statistics. One in four American children are not growing up with their biological father. Somewhere around 18 million children in our country today. The reason for that is because one out of every five fathers is not living with the children that he has fathered. Pregnant women are two times more likely to experience a pregnancy loss if they don't have the support of the father. Children who don't have a father are two times more likely to commit suicide, two times more likely to drop out of school, almost three times more likely to deal in drugs or carry firearms for offensive purposes. They're four times more likely to live in poverty, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, ten times more likely to be an adolescent patient in a chemical abuse center, 20 times more likely to have behavioral problems, 20 times more likely to be in prison, 32 times more likely to become homeless or live as runaways. The upside of those figures is that when fathers are present and when fathers are engaged with their children, the outcomes go the other direction. Moms, with an involved, supportive father of the child. Those pregnant moms have better pregnancies, healthier births, better lives after birth. When the fathers of their children are there and are supportive. And I look at those figures year after year and I come away with two ideas from those things. First of all this, if we want society to do well, if we just want society to do well, dads will have to show up. Amen? You don't have to be a Christ follower to conclude that. 
Dads just need to show up. The second thing I come away with is this. Dads, God has entrusted to you an amazing amount of power in your position. So if you're a dad or if you are considering becoming a dad, you might find that task daunting. It is a huge responsibility. Thinking about that by itself is probably enough to enhance your prayer life to reduce your sleep hours, to increase the amount of time that you stare into the mirror wondering what have I gotten myself into. But it also should be enough to amaze you, I think, this morning that God permits us to fulfill a role that is modeled after him. So let me point out this morning, especially, first of all, here for dads in particular, Fathers can get a right understanding of what fathering is supposed to look like by seeing how God relates to us. I've I've preached this whole concept in Father's Days in the past before. God is the ideal father. God is the perfect model for how fatherhood should look. And if you're struggling with how to be a good dad, dads, start there. Parenthood has taught me a lot about my relationship with God. For every time I looked at a teenage kid and said to him or her, what were you thinking? I also step back and wonder how many times God has had that same thought about me. For every time I struggled but managed to hold back and go ahead and let my children make mistakes, I can picture that there were times that God has allowed me to move ahead, to make mistakes, to go through the pain that that brought into my life, also that I could learn and grow. For every time I had to discipline my children, and I heard myself saying those words, this hurts me more than it hurts you, right? I wondered how much grief I have caused God over the years. The idea that God is our Father didn't originate in a feel-good song from 1955. It comes from God to us straight from Scripture. In the Old Testament, it's usually about the ways that God is fathering a nation, the people of Israel. Look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Remember, He said to to Moses, you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5, know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord, your God, disciplines you. Jeremiah 31, God said, I am a father to Israel. Ephraim is my firstborn son. There is a a beautiful, heartfelt line of words in Hosea chapter 11. God says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning offerings to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up by my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, he asks, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? It's a rhetorical question. 
See, the people of Israel had this concept handed down to them by God, that they as a nation were his children, that God was their father. And they had in God the perfect model of what a father is supposed to be. That includes consistent discipline, deep heartfelt love, compassion, even though he was often let down by them. It includes the kind of love that guides and directs and that there is an end goal in mind. God had plans for Israel. I was blessed to have a dad who did a great job at those things. Sherman V. Nichols. You know, my dad didn't have a great example in his earthly father, but my dad learned how to do that by what he saw in the perfect father and from others. And he was really deliberate to apply it in the, the way that he fathered us six kids. Well, still having someone be the father of your nation, like Israel had God as the father of their nation, is not the most personal of relationships, is it? George Washington is known as the father of our country, right? How many of you this morning feel a really close personal relationship with George Washington? Not really. How many of you, I'm interested this morning, how many of you have ever had a personal conversation with any president of the United States? Not one of us. So along comes Jesus, and John, at the beginning of his gospel, writes these words, The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Down in verse 18, it says, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. We can know God as Father because Jesus has made him known as such. So here's another angle this Father's Day that I'd like all of us to ponder for a moment, and that is this, that we can have a right understanding of God by seeing Jesus as the Son of God. We adopted our son Jeff into our family when he was age 11 among a much younger-looking group of people up there. And up until that point in his life, the concept of a family, especially of a father, was foreign to him. I remember a story from very early on when he came into our household, and Carrie was explaining to him I was going somewhere because I needed to go officiate a wedding. I was going to go marry somebody. And he started asking well, what's going to happen to you and what's going to happen to this home if he's going to go marry someone else? And we realized very early on we had a lot of catching up to do. So Jeff saw how family is supposed to be structured by observing a father married to a mother and the two of them committed to each other and raising children together in a family. When Jesus came to earth, the whole concept of how we could have a personal relationship with this God came to life. No one has ever seen God. That's what John says. No one has ever seen God. Oh, in the Old Testament, there are some stories. There were a few people who came close, 
But mostly, anyone who saw just some of God's glory or someone who thought they had looked at God was terrified. And then came God in the flesh. Jesus, the only God who is at the Father's side. God with us. The one who was with God and is God. The one who existed in the form of God, like Steve was talking about earlier, but did not regard equality with God, a thing to be grasped. The one in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That one explained God to us as his father. Back in the Old Testament, someone has counted up 15 times that that title, Father, is used for God in the religious sense in reference to God. But in the New Testament, it's not used 15 times, but 245 times that way. You see, what's rare in the Old Testament becomes central once Jesus comes onto the scene. Jesus made him Known, as some translations put it, revealed him, declared him, explained him, or if you're familiar with the word, he exegeted him to us. When Jesus came, it set the table for us to understand what a personal relationship with God really looks like. Until then, really, no one understood God as Father. But when we Look at Jesus, and we understand how Jesus submitted to the Father. When we are taught how God loves us as a Father, when we are taught to pray, saying, Our Father, it opened a way of understanding God that couldn't be known before. Remember how Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verse 9. He said, Which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Tell me there's no humor in the Bible. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? For every person who struggles with understanding God as a father, because your own dad didn't do a very good job at it, here's a way out of that. See how the Son of God explains him. To us. We really can't understand God until we look at him in this light, the light of Jesus as the Son of God. John 16, 27, Jesus reassured the disciples, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. All right, let me put a bow around this now for Father's Day or since it's Father's Day, let me put a zip tie around this, okay? Here, we can have a right relationship, a right understanding of our relationship to God by seeing our own relationship to fathers. Let me explain that for a moment. Kevin DeYoung is writing about the model prayer of Jesus, you know, the prayer that begins, Our Father who is in heaven. And he says this, Again, we are probably too familiar with the prayer to properly marvel at what it says. The God of the universe, the God who made the world out of nothing, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the ten plagues and the Red Sea, the God of the glory cloud and the tabernacle, the God who shakes the cedars of Lebanon, the God who showed himself to Daniel as the great ancient of days, the God before whom no one can stand face to face and live. Jesus wants us to call this God Father. How can we possibly do such a thing? It's a matter of being adopted into his family. When we become children of God by adoption, and by the way, the fact that we are adopted into that family doesn't make it a second-rate relationship. Paul writes in Romans 8, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Look at that word Abba for a second. That, many of you have heard that. It is an, it's not just a group from the 70s, all right? Abba is an important Aramaic word for father, but it's less formal than father. I don't know about you. I never called my dad father. Sure me, yes, Father, never went like that, all right? I called him Dad. And I don't know what title you used in your home. My children never called me Father. And that's kind of the difference between Abba and some other title. Abba is like the word Dad. It's the word that you would have used in Aramaic if that were your heart language. That's the word that you would have used whether you were a a child or a grown-up. Dad. Only you wouldn't use that word for just anybody. You would use it only for your dad, your Abba. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at quite a few Old Testament stories and how those all were significant on their own, but remember how there are types and each of them is pointing to something greater. You notice what it is each time, by the way, that all of the Old Testament stories that we have looked at, have you noticed the greater thing that all of them are pointing to? Every one of them is pointing to Jesus Christ and life in him. It's almost as if the whole story of the Bible was about Jesus. It is. And today, here is another one of those types to help us. It's very real. It has the potential to open up a whole new appreciation to God. And if you'll consider it, that type is fatherhood. Fatherhood. Don't just look at your own father. Some, as they look at how their own father did, are are hindered by that. Don't look at your own father. Look at fatherhood and look at what it's supposed to be look at fatherhood as jesus relates to god the father look at the way that fatherhood gives us the privileges that children have 
because of their father, a love that doesn't end, a family that we belong to, loving discipline to guide us, somebody who loves us, someone to whom we can run with our our challenges, the promise of an inheritance. And it gives us the responsibility of children to seek to please the Father, to obey his desires, to care about what matters to him, to bring honor to the family name, all of those things because God is our Father. You can be a part of the family of God this morning. That's what all that points to, if you're willing to be adopted into it. It's a matter of believing in Jesus Christ and taking the next steps to make him Lord of your life. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what we want to invite people to this morning. For everyone who believes who Jesus Christ is, that you would receive him. The promise there in John chapter 1, verse 12, is that you receive the right to become a child of God. Isn't that incredible? What a great Father's Day present it would be this morning to God to say, I'm ready to quit running from you. I'm ready to come into your family and be your child. He gives you that offer through Jesus Christ, his son. So if that's something that you want this morning, on his behalf, we're inviting you. People who are watching us online, welcome to you. We want to hear from you. If you're ready to become a follower of Jesus this morning and make God your father, please get in touch with us. It's cccrockford.org slash connect. Or you can type in some comments in the Facebook live feed right now. If you're watching this recorded, that's not going to work. You're going to just need to contact us by email. Call the office. Get in touch with us. Don't flounder out in, in cyberspace and not address this most important relationship in your life. If you're here this morning and that's what you want to do, we're ready right here, right now, for you to step forward and say, I'm ready to become a, a child of God. What do I need to do? I'm glad you asked that. You need to believe in Jesus Christ. You need to repent. You need to be baptized into him. God promises that his Holy Spirit will come live inside of you. And from there, you begin a brand new life in him, a life that begins for eternity and can begin today. If that's your desire, step forward while we're singing this song that we're going to sing in just a moment. Would you stand up with me? We're going to pray together. We're going to uh, invite God to work on our hearts and to do something with his word that we have looked at together this morning. Let's pray. Dear Father, it's no small thing that we can stand before you and call you our Father, our Abba. Thank you, Father, for making that known to us through your word and especially through the person of Jesus Christ. Help us please today not to in any way slight the importance of that relationship to which you have invited us. Father, for those of us who carry the family name, 
We want to bring you honor. We want to please you. We want to carry out your wishes. And we're conscious today that there are some who have no knowledge of God. So, Lord, we invite you to use us. Let us be your ambassadors wherever you will send us. Lord, wherever uh, we go and the people that we encounter this week, please put on our hearts the burden that you want us to carry so that others could know. Father, we pray for those this morning who are listening who have not yet made that step of, of welcoming your invitation and coming into your family. Lord, for every plea, for every reason that has been uh, given over time, I pray that this morning, finally, uh, there would be no more objection, no more dodging of this issue. Rather that those who need you would see you waiting with open arms to welcome a, a wayward child home as a loving father. Use this moment, Father, to your glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.